If you have your Bibles tonight, I need you to turn to Philippians chapter 3. We're going to start in verse number 15, going through verse number 21, of course. That brings us to the end of chapter 3. And uh, as we've been going through uh, this book of Philippians, we uh, see where uh, Paul is writing to the church at Philippi, and he's encouraging them. And uh, he's encouraging them to uh, reach their maturity. He's encouraging them uh, to be walking uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, he's been encouraging them that uh, they need to uh, reach and have a mindset that they're going to reach that goal, reach the finish line, if you will. And so he carries that theme over uh, into the last part of this, uh, of the third chapter here. And so if you had to put a title on this evening's message, it would be a very simple one. It's uh, Play by the Rules. Now, when I was growing up, I had issues with that, just like many of you did. And uh, I kind of liked uh, uh, Australian uh, football. Anybody ever watch Australian football? Uh, It's a game where it looks like they just make up the rules as they go. It really does. I mean, you know, I didn't know they could do that. Yeah, they can do that and they're not that. Well, sometimes that's how we want to live our lives, isn't it? I mean, you know, sometimes here's what we want to we, 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 we want to get in the game, if you will, but we want to play by our rules. Well, here the scripture is quite clear that, and Paul points this out here in this chapter, is that uh, you don't make that call. God set the rules, God's given us a rule book. And he expects us to play by the rules. We see, if you study scripture, uh, many times over, we see men and women who started off strong for the Lord Jesus Christ, but they didn't finish so well. And the reason why they did not finish so well is because they didn't obey the rules. And so here, Paul is introducing us and he's uh, reminding us that uh, we have a course to run. We, uh, the, the, the course that uh, we've, uh, is run, and, and, he's, and as he's carrying this theme over, he says, now, here's what we're reaching for. We're going to see, he uses that word, uh, the, the prize. He's going to hear the word attain. Uh, we're going to see all of that. And of course, it goes back to the time Paul was very familiar with the Greek games. Paul understood, and he would uh, would seem like that he uh, not participated, but he would go and watch them. And in these games, the Greek games, which uh, later uh, involved into the Olympic games, they had the judges, and the judges, their job was to make sure that they were playing by the rules. Okay, And so as the judges, and they took it very seriously, uh, that when someone violated a rule, they would be disqualified. But stay with me on this. They were disqualified from obtaining the crown or the prize, but they did not lose their citizenship. They were still citizens. Now, put this into the spiritual realm. We're running a course. And and what we're supposed to be, our goal is to be more Christ-like. This ought to be every one of ours determination that I want to be more like Christ today than I was yesterday. 
See, that's the goal, all right? And so in order to achieve that, we got to play by the rules. And so he tells us here in this chapter, uh, he, he lays out the course uh, that uh, you can be uh, a winner, if you will. You'll be able to receive your crown. You'll be able to receive your reward, but you've got to do it by the rules. Now, I want you to see, he also made mention of this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 25, paraphrasing here. But he says that if you're competing, you must do it with self-control. Now, self-control or temperance in the King James is one of the spiritual gifts that you will find in Galatians chapter 5, verse number 23. Well, self-control, you could also say discipline. So we're running this race, we're running it with self-control. But we also see that uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 5, he says that you, uh, if you're competing here again in 1 Corinthians and also here in 2 Timothy, it's still the mindset. He says, as you're competing in this race, if you're competing in this journey, if you're continuing your walk of faith, if you will, and your goal is to be more Christ-like, you have to play by the rules, but we also see that you are you competing, you will not be crowned unless you play by the rules. So here, Paul tells us, and the first thing that we see is found in verses 15 and 16. The first thing that we see is we're with this mindset that we're running the course, all right? We're, we're, we're wanting to be more Christ-like. He gives us some encouragement. I don't know about you, but I like to be encouraged. I, I hope that I'm an encourager. That's one of the things I pray for. Lord, just help me to be encourager. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of people that have not been encouraged I'm meeting people on a regular basis that when you go and say something nice to them and say, hey, you know, I hope you're having a good day. I'm praying for you. They look like, they, they look like man, you're some kind of a weird duck. Is that not a shame? Then they, we're, we're supposed to be encouragers. And by the way, I wasn't talking about lost people. I was talking about church folk. So here in verses 15, he says, Let us therefore... What's it there for? Go back to what we looked at last Wednesday. That we're reaching our goal. We're, we have a purpose to fulfill. Remember what we talked about last week? We have a purpose to fulfill. And God has given us everything we need to fulfill that purpose that He's laid upon us. I just had a conversation with someone not uh, too terribly long ago uh, that's really struggling in some areas. And I just had to encourage That's all I did. I just encouraged them. Hey, God has a purpose and a plan for your life. And I'll do everything to help you to find that. But you're the ones that has to run the course. I can't run it for you. So uh, here he says, Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Look at verse number 16. Nevertheless, Whereto we have already attained, and let us walk 
by the same rule and let us mind the same thing. So here we see that Paul's encouraging the church at Philippi. And he's telling the church, first of all, he's encouraged them, uh, and he's encouraged them and telling them, hey, you, we, you need to have this same mind. In other words, he says, he uses the same word, walk in mind. And so what he's saying is that your walk needs to be in harmony with your thinking. What are we walking? We're walking in faith. What are you thinking? We're thinking in faith. What are we walking towards? We're walking towards the prize. What is that? Maturity, the fullness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we have to have our mindset as well. We have to be focused upon that. And that's the reason why so many are getting off course, if you will, because they have stinking thinking. Which is orchestrated by Satan himself. Because his job is to get every one of us off course. His job is to get our minds off what we ought to have it on. But notice here, he goes and says uh, that word perfect. That word perfect means to mature. He's not talking about that you become perfect. We will become perfect. But as we're running this course... That's our goal. Well, I'll never be able to achieve that. Then you have the wrong attitude. The attitude that Paul's talking about in helping us is, my mindset is, I want to have the fullness of God. I want to be more Christ-like than I was the day before. And when tomorrow comes, I want to be able to say, I want to be more like Christ today than I was yesterday. And I have my mind set up on that. And so as I'm walking in faith, my mind is focused upon that. Illustration. Back many years ago, uh, Mount Everest, and we all have heard about Mount Everest. Before someone successfully reached the summit, there were many failed attempts. It was finally successfully climbed in 1953. Prior to that, failed attempts. There was a gentleman who was on a, a team, a mountain climbing team, and for some reason, that day that the rest of the team was going to go uh, and try to reach the summit, he stayed at the base camp. Something happened, don't know exactly how it triggered it, but an avalanche came and killed every one of the members of his team. Of course, he was distraught over it. He goes back to London. Not long after that, he's doing a lecture He's doing a speech about mountain climbing. And of course, the subject came up about the team that he was a member of, that all of them lost their lives. And he had a picture of Mount Everest behind him. He goes through his speech, and towards the end of his speech, he turns around, and he's pointing at that picture of Mount Everest. And he starts talking to this mountain. He says, Mountain, I want you to know that there have been many attempts to conquer you, they've all failed. Mount Everest, I understand that the last attempt, many of my friends lost their life. But I'm telling you something, Mountain. You cannot grow bigger, but I can. Are you getting it? See, you're going to reach trials and tribulations along your journey. You're going to have some mountains 
that seem impossible to climb. But I'm telling you, the Lord Jesus has given us everything we need to be able to walk through those valleys and to climb those mountains and to be able to cross the finish line and to finish well. But also, I want you to look, it's in First James chapter 1, verses 2 and 4. James chapter 1, verses 2 and 4. And I'm paraphrasing here, but it says... Rejoice. Why are we rejoicing? Then he goes on and says, because of the trials, the stuff that will come into you. When life happens, you can rejoice. You can rejoice when there's a mountain that you've seen that you cannot climb. That you can rejoice when you're going through a valley that you don't know how you're going to get out of it. You can rejoice and knowing what? That these trials and these mountains, God has allowed you to be able to encounter them so it could be a test of your faith. And here's what he's doing and what he's trying to help us with is that when we have a testing of our faith, it will end up in endurance. And that's exactly what they were talking about when he said we will conquer Mount Everest. See, don't let your trials and tribulations bring you down. Don't let them throw you off course because God has allowed that and God has given you a test to test your faith. And when you test your faith, you have endurance. And when you have endurance, you'll be able to finish and you'll be able to finish strong and the Lord Jesus Christ there at the waiting line for you. So here, he says, there's some encouragement, but I want you to look at verse number 17. He's, he gives us an example. Verse number 17. Listen to what Paul says. He says, brethren, be followers together. Did you catch that? He, he didn't say, hey, this, you, you're doing this thing on your own, man. Hey, you just do the best you can. You know, he says, we are to do it together. Uh, and then he goes on and he says, uh, and I'm the one that you need to follow. That, that's what he's saying. He says, you can go ahead and you can uh, mark them, uh, which walk so as ye have. Uh, have us for an example. So here, here's what Paul is saying. Okay, we're doing this thing together, but he says, I'm your example. Now at first, you're thinking, well, that Paul is kind of arrogant, ain't he? But we see in other parts of Scripture, we see it in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse number 1. He says, be followers of me as I follow the Lord Jesus. Here, here we, we could translate it this way. Imitate me because I'm imitating Christ. But we also could use the word pattern. The pattern, the word means to have an exact image of. So here's what Paul's talking. Paul's saying, I'm encouraging you that you need to be thinking and walking. They need to be in harmony. And, and, and even though you're going through difficulties, and you will go through difficulties, when you get off course, you just keep on. You just keep on because something's waiting for you that will be worth it all. And then he goes and he says, I'm going to help you. Now we're doing this together, but 
But he says, you just fall in line with me. You just follow me. I would wonder, could anyone say that tonight with all confidence and all honesty? Could it be that you're walking the way that you're walking and you're running the course the way you're running the course that you could go up to somebody and say, hey, you follow after me uh, because I'm following after Christ. Well, that got us a little silent there, didn't it? We, hey, all of us, all of us have areas of improvement. Amen? See, that's not the question. That's not that we've arrived. Paul says, I haven't already, I have not arrived. But what his mindset is, I want to arrive. And I, when I arrive, I want to arrive strong. Not just kind of slipping in. And so as we're following could, could it be that someone in this church, if, if they're looking and, and they're wanting to grow in their faith, would they pick you out? That hey, brother Mike, man, I, I, I think I need to follow after him because I know he's following after Christ. See, that, is that not that what, that's what we're pulling. Not only for the edification of the body, but also to a lost and dying world. How do they know how to get to Jesus? How do they know how to get to Jesus? By someone who knows Jesus and is walking in faith and, and, and is running the course well. That's how they come to know Jesus Christ. Now you can go ahead and have, and I have nothing against, you know, soul winning, and they'll call it, well, I've heard people say, well, what about this old boy here? Have you, have you gave him the gospel? And they say, well, I'm trying to cultivate this relationship. Well, how silly is that? The only way you're going to convert and to be able to identify him, he's got to see something different in you. And so here we see Paul is giving us an example, and we all should be an example. We've been talking about it, but I'm telling you, I don't. Even if you're not working in the children's park, uh, if you're not in preschool, if you're not helping in Awana or, or anything like that, they're still looking to you, and they're looking to an example. Because how else are they going to know? They got to see it, and that's where we failed many times in our church. We're pretty good with the talk. But our walk is not matching up. And that's exactly what Paul's saying. Paul says that we are to be an example. But then he moves on. Not only does he show us an example, uh, but he, uh, before we leave there, that means that we're looking for role models. Amen. I'm telling you, some of our children and young people have picked some of the sorriest role models. I'm just, I'm just, I'm not trying to be ugly. I'm just saying. They're glamorizing a basketball player, a football player, wherever the case may be. Now, we can say, well, we need to give good role models. Hey, adults need good role models too. Okay? That's our job. We are to be a role model. Like it or not, you're a role model. 
You're either going to have a positive influence on somebody or you're going to have a negative influence on somebody. But you will have an influence on somebody because they're watching you and they're seeing if your talk is matching your walk. But then he goes on and he shows that even though we should be encouraged and even though we have an example, but then he says there are some enemies. Imagine that. Look at verses 18 and 19. Who's our enemies? Well, Paul explains that. This is how he says it. He says, For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping. And we're going to get to that in just a moment. So Paul says, hey, I've been, I've been telling you about some of these enemies. I've got to stop it. Notice what Paul does. He's talking about enemies of the cross. He's talking about those who are, are preaching a perverted gospel. I'm telling you, they're all around. In Paul's day, Paul, if you go into Colossians, you'll see the church at Colossae, they had all kinds of different philosophies. They had the ascetics there that believed that you had to beat yourself, and they were doing all kinds of stupid stuff. And I'm trying to be a little dignified about how I say it, but it's just stupid. You know, sometimes stupid's just stupid, right? And so they do all kinds of stupid stuff, thinking that's going to help them arrive in their spiritual walk. And Paul's talking about that. And Paul is rebuting all of that. And now here he says, now here's here's what we'll do. Paul does it in weeping. Here's how we'll react. I'll just go ahead and slap him upside the head. That's how I deal with those enemies. And we'll get ticked. And we'll get angry with them. And we'll say things like, you idiot. How stupid can you be? Well, that's like, really, you're going to win that person to Christ. Do, is, are we not guilty of that? Here's how we, let's just get rid of them. Kill them. Yeah, just kill them. And Jesus didn't do it. Jesus went to them. And Jesus wept over them too. As he was coming into Jerusalem, the Bible says as he overlooked Jerusalem, he wept over their sins. Here's where our problem, church We're not weeping over our enemies. We want to argue with them. We want to get in the flesh with them. We want to go ahead and condemn them. And we want to go and say, they're going to hell anyway. I don't know about you, but aren't you glad the Lord Jesus Christ, when he met up with you, didn't treat you like that? Because the Bible says you were an enemy of the cross. We were all enemies at one time, but thanks be unto God, He gave us a bridge and he, he narrowed the gap and His name was Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And so here we see that He weeps over them. Why is He weeping? Well, first of all, He's weeping over them because He realizes they have no hope. Now church, stay with me. We're going to get you out on time. Maybe. 
He's weeping over them because he knows that any other gospel, any other gospel, any other false teaching, they're doomed and destined for hell. Do we have a burden like that? Do we have a burden for the Muslims like that? I'm telling you, and I understand, I'm not getting political here, but I'm understanding, and God convicted me of this. Now, if you need to get in the boat with me, you're more than welcome. There's plenty of room. But God convicted of me that I need to be more Christ-like when I'm dealing with the enemies. We don't need to beat up on them and condemn. The Bible says they're condemned already. That's what Jesus said. What we need to do is we're maturing in our faith and we're walking and our mind is on, I want to be more like Christ today. I want to be more like Christ today. I want to be more like Christ today. And when we're walking and when our mind is focused upon that, even a Muslim can tell there's something different. Now, why have they gone? Why have the Mormons gone to where they're going? Why is the Jehovah with them? We can go down the list, go down the list, because they're searching for truth. And we have the truth. But we have turned so many away because of our arrogance and because of our self-righteousness. And we need to be more Christ-like where Jesus said, that's the ones I got to go to. Church, that's the ones we got to go to. And so he goes and now he closes it out. We're in verses 20 through 21. He says, I weep over them. And uh, he says, uh, talks about the enemies of the cross. And we understand the scripture says uh, that if you're going to boast, the only thing you can boast in is in the cross. By the way, may I remind you that we all came the same way. If it wasn't for his grace, none of us would be able to have what we have in Christ Jesus. None of us have anything to boast about. None of us can puff ourselves up. None of one can look around and stick our nose up and say, hey, just because I might have a little better education or I have a little better income that I might be a little bit more. I'm telling you, the Lord Jesus Christ, because of His wonderful grace and mercy, He didn't have to pour out more grace to save you. It was the same grace. The same grace. We all come by the way of the cross. I don't know about you, but I'm so glad when we stand before that, none of us will be able to say, I'm here because of this. I'm here for this. Well, all we can say in unison is we come by the way of the cross and by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, he goes on in 19, he says, in whose end is the destruction, and we've already made reference to this, uh, to the destruction here. But I want you to notice in verse 20 through 21, that's where we're going to go, and that's where we're going to land this 747. If I can get my, there we go. This thing is very helpful at times. But when you're a dodo like I am, sometimes it takes a while. He says, for our conversation... 
is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like who? Like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Now, watch this. Oh, this, this, this. We're running a race, right? We're running the course. What's it? Be more Christ-like, to be more Christ-like, to be more Christ-like. We understand we're going to have opposition, where there's going to be enemies, but we're still going, we're still running, we're still running. And notice he says we got to do it together, right? Paul says we're doing it together. And so there's times when I'm going to fall and trip and when I'm going to get our course. And so here comes a brother or a sister is going to come up to me and says, okay, Mike, come on, come on, come on. we got to race to run. The finish line's in sight. By the way, we are getting closer and closer to the finish line. And so he says, here, here, come on, I'll help you. And, and, and they might even carry us a little bit, but we're struggling there together. And the Bible says, Here's our expectation in verses 20 through 21 that these bodies are going to be changed to his glorious body. I don't know about you. That means I get to see 2020 now. Praise God. I, I was over at Southern Manor and, and I had uh, everybody there was in wheelchairs or walkers or something. And I told them, I said, I know, I know y'all are very dignified people, but I'm telling you, when you start to read this, you ought to be jumping and praising God because one day you won't have to worry about no wheelchair. You won't have to worry about no heart disease. You won't have to bury any of that because the Bible says when we cross the finish line, when we cross the finish line, I want to finish strong because I want to see my Lord Jesus. And the Bible says I will be in a perfect place with a perfect body. We won't have to worry about all the mess that we had to deal here. We will be with him forever. And what we will be doing, worshiping and glorifying the one who got us to the finish line. Isn't that good? Man, that's encouraging to me. Even on a Wednesday night. To understand, it will be worth it all. It'll be worth it all. But here was what we got to do. I asked you this question earlier, and you're going to have a chance to answer it. If a lost person, say they didn't know that you were a member of Hillcrest Baptist Church, they just saw you in their business and they sir, I heard you in conversation. They kind of watched where you went, how you interacted, and whatnot like that. Would your actions be an example for them to find out why you do and why you act the way you act? Kind of a sobering thought, isn't it? Today, when I left the business or whatever the workplace, would I be able to say they could follow after me 
And they would see that I'm the real deal. That's what they're looking for. I'm telling you, they're sick of the phonies. They're sick of the TBNers who are promising them a new car, a new home. You will never be sick again. They're sick of that because it's lies. I'm telling you, the Bible does not preach, teach that. Matter of fact, quite the opposite, is it not? It said we will suffer for the cause of Jesus Christ. But listen, they'll be willing to suffer if they know what we have in the Lord Jesus Christ is the real deal. And if you cannot answer that question, say, well, I did say something I shouldn't have said, or, you know, I mean, then you just need to repent of that. And you need to understand, you won't lose your salvation. But you could lose a reward. Because it says, you must play by the rules. And you'll only be crowned if you played by the rules.